Welcome back to the Knit British Podcast, the podcast that explores all the connections of Britishness in wool, fibre and knitting. On this journey, meeting all of the people involved from sheep to skein, I am your host, Louise Scully. Knit British, love local wool. episode 106 of the Knit British podcast. I hope uh, this is coming through okay. I am standing to podcast today, which I don't normally do. Um, Normally I'm sitting, but I have hurt my back and it's just sore to sit for too long. And um, so I'm going to try and not to move around too much and hopefully um, we won't have too much Uh, interference. This is also the first time I'm using my podcast mic arm again after uh, the last time I used it, it sort of uh, there was a big clatter and bang as it fell off the desk. So hopefully it's back to being uh, all secure. (laughs) How are you doing? I hope that you're well. Um, I've sort of misplaced my notes uh, for (laughs) the introduction so I can't remember what I had written down to tell you about. I should start by saying thank you very much to those of you who sent me birthday wishes via social media. I had a wonderful birthday and I um, had a great holiday as well. If you follow me on social media you will have seen lots of photographs um, from Whitby which for those of you who don't know is um, on the North Yorkshire coast. Had a fantastic time, but that's where I hurt my back. Uh, probably too much walking up and down hills in the drizzle uh, with a backpack full of pebbles and fossils. <laughs> but I had a great time. It seems like such a long time ago, actually, since I last podcast. And a lot of things have been happening. So back in May, um, I was at Woolin. And I've got a little bit to tell you about that later on. You will have seen on the blog that I have announced uh, that the there will be a Nature Shades Along 2018 casting on on the 13th of July. A little bit more about that later on in the podcast too. This month we are looking at Romney in our wool exploration. I'm going to try something slightly different this time on the podcast. I'm going to split that over the podcast um, a little bit so that it's not just, you know, over an hour of just wool exploration. Um, So let me know what you think about that. Also today I want to look a little bit at good intentions because I can hardly believe it, but quarter three is almost up and we are about to embark on the final quarter of Good Intentions. That's just unbelievable. So I hope you have grabbed a whip and grabbed a drink uh, because we've got a lot to get through. So let's get cracking. I went to Dublin on the 26th of May, which just feels like a ridiculously long time ago, uh, for the first uh, yarn festival organised by the team behind This Is Knit, the yarn shop in Dublin. And what an utterly lovely time I had at Woolin. 
Um, I flew into Dublin from Edinburgh and the flights were great because they allowed me to be there from about um, 10 o'clock in the morning till 5 o'clock at night, um, which was, was just awesome. So I got to spend the whole day there. The festival was held at the Alsa Sports Centre, which was right next to the airport, uh, less than a 10-minute walk, I would say. Um, so it was really handy to get to. I was on the same flight as some other knitters, Emily, Steph and Victoria. And um, we also met uh, Maddie and Carol at the airport. It was lovely to meet up with knitters and to go to uh, this event together. And yeah, so it was less than a 10 minute walk. Um, the vendors were great. They were classes too, which I hadn't booked a class, but they were classes with Carrie Westman, Nathan Taylor, Nancy Merchant. Um, but the first thing that struck me, I mean, the very first thing that struck me, um, you know, walking over the door, was the excellent customer service of the Woolen uh, volunteers and staff. You know... Customer service is a really, really, really of high importance to me in my working life, but not only just in delivering it, but in, um, you know, you know, being on the receiving end of really great customer service is a, is a brilliant thing. You know, there's that old adage of treat others as you wish to be treated, but then really what you want to do is have your expectations exceeded and my expectations were smashed by the wonderful team uh, at Woolen. Really, really massive thumbs up. You, they couldn't have been nicer to all of the, the people who were coming in. They were so informative. They were giving people directions. They were, they were just cracking. Firstly, after meeting my dear friend Tracy uh, and also Oti, wonderful Oti that I used to work with at Shetland Library. She lives in, in Ireland now and... Um, it was so good again at, at this sort of feeling of of um, coming into a place and feeling very welcomed. Um, it was a really welcoming atmosphere. Tracy and I got acquainted with the vendors and sort of just walked around. Countess of Blaze was there. Little Grey Girl was there. Bear and Sheep's Clothing was there. Die Ninja was there. Uh, Travel Knitter. Isolda. S Twist. I'll come back to S Twist. Uh, Whistle Bear. Um, Babbles yarns, fine fish yarns, emerald fibres, these are just a few. There were so much woolly goodness. Ripples crafts, um, just such a lot of woolly goodness. Delicious yarns, but also incredible bags and notions. Uh, Gemma, the little grey girl, had created a woolen signature bag in Donegal Tweed um, in dark grey, navy mo and moss green, maybe purple as well. Um, beautiful little tweedy nips uh, in that woolen fabric um, and I think there are still some available if you go to the littlegreygirl.com uh, Someone else that I wanted to see was Countess Ablaze and she's just launched a new British BFL and Gotland fingering which I bought in two shades uh, the natural shade and then a shade called You Keep Me On The Edge Of My Seat which is a fantastic orange and you know who served me? Yarnison. Uh, Jane Murison, who you may have seen her delicious shawl, uh, Rainbow Relay, in Countess of Blaze yarn. And there were quite a few examples uh, on the stall of that shawl. It was incredible. 
Uh, of course, I wanted to get some wool from local vendors too, so um, made a beeline for S-Twist. Uh, and you'll hear a little bit um, from Dermot later on. And I also visited Bernie from A Bear in Sheep's Clothing. Uh, Bernie's from Northern Ireland and she dyes lots of British yarns. And I love her Wednesdaydale and I love what she does with colour. And I bought two skeins in a deep coniferous green. And like I said, I didn't take any classes. But I was desperate to attend the Yarn in Ireland panel, which was hosted by Nadia of the Cottage Notebook podcast and featured Dermot Cummings of S-Twist and Carl Feller, uh, Adele McBride and also master wheel uh, maker Johnny Shields. Do, 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 do go over to cottagenotebook.ie to hear that very inspirational panel. Um, and thanks to Nadia for a really great event. It was utterly inspirational listening to the, those people talk about their craft in Ireland and particularly Dermot. Um, he was a real inspiration to a lot of people there. I think some people maybe um, encountered his yarns for the first time. And um, what an inspirational guy that just has been driven by a passion for wool and a passion for local to do something um, with wool from Ireland spinning um, himself. And um, he talked about, about how his love of wool came from being a weaver and being introduced to wool in that way. And, you know, really seeing that there was a need to do something with with. Uh, the local wool there. The Galway sheep is, as he says, as close as you can get to a native breed um, in Ireland, but also um, Jacob's is another one of the key, the core fibres for him. And he started spinning the wool himself and also um, processing the wool because, as you'll hear, there's no scouting facilities in um, Ireland, but it became a process that was very difficult for one person to do the, the process that he uses is a natural fermentation process, so there are no chemicals which go in to to the the um, wool, but it's all done by hand. Um, so it's a hugely intensive process. And so, again, I, I'll, I will just play a little short interview with Dermot um, at the end of, of this bit about woolen, but um, it was a really, really interesting um, panel and really interesting to hear about different wool practitioners, um, different craftspeople, and, and it, it, you know, it, it hugely inspiring, really inspiring. And talking to Nadia, I know she's got such a passion for, for this herself, so I can imagine that there is more great content on this topic to come from her in the future. I really enjoyed my time at Wool in Dublin. I loved mooching around the yarn festival, which I haven't done for a while. And it was wonderful. And I got to see so many great people, like vendors um, and pals. And it felt really lovely, cohesive, wooly clan. And the vibe was really, really lovely. And, you know, that I think also had a lot to do with the fact that it was the result of the um, referendum that day too in Ireland and that was great and oh, you know it just it was a special event really and my, my heart is off to Lisa and the team um, f 
for what you did. It was it was really great and I really look forward to visiting again. And in case you didn't hear, they are doing it again in 2019. So put the 14th and 15th of June into your diaries uh, because it's going to be great. And a huge hello to everybody that I, I saw there. I really had a lovely time. I'm not going to mention names because I always forget people. Um, and, that's, <laughs> and that's a shame. Um, so I don't want to do that. But on a personal level, it was just lovely to catch up with my my good friend Tracy, who you know I don't get to see very often, um, who I knew before knitting, um, and um, who's just you know a proper proper cracker, uh, proper good friend. Um, so yeah, at Wool in Dublin, my hat is off to you. Um, here is that short interview that I did uh, with Dermot, who was very gracious and gave me um, some of his time um, to talk about uh, wool in, uh, in Ireland and sort of a lot of this he touched on in his own panel. But I wanted to ask him, you know, just to give us a picture of, of what's happening there, because it's very different from the UK, um, you know, and for what we have over here in the UK, it's still very much you know the future or the dream for Ireland and Dermot is very passionate about what he can do um, and what his business can do and how to make that wool industry um, a reality in, in Ireland. So uh, this is Dermot and um, hopefully in, at another event I'd love to talk to him for a little bit longer um, but I'm very very grateful for the time that he gave us and you know at the end of this interview there was a little you know the qu last question I asked him there was there was a little side smile and a little twinkle in his eye and he would not be drawn further but I think there are exciting things to come from S-Twist and from Wool in Ireland. Do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, so my name is Jumra Commons. Um, I am S-Twist Wool. Uh, we're a small indie yarn company and our focus, is, our focus is on using Irish fleece. I think it would be really interesting if you can maybe give the listeners an, a sort of image. In terms of wool in Ireland, what happens to it? Yeah, um, so at the moment what happens with wool in Ireland is uh, it is either shipped off to Bradford and mixed in as, let's say, a low quality or a low grade white wool, mm -hmm. or it is um, shipped off and made into uh, throwaway items like uh, carpeting for airplanes and this kind of stuff. Bus seats. Yes, this, this kind of thing. <laughs> when we look at the Irish wool industry at the moment, I, I have to say it, it's sad. It's, um, it, it literally makes me sad to see it. We have three mills. And understandably, when you look at it from a historical perspective and what has been happening in Ireland over the last few decades, it's understandable. Um, they mainly work with imported wool, uh, I believe Australia and New Zealand. Um, everybody wants to work with Irish wool and they would do it if they could. But I think maybe coming from where they are coming, they're not really seeing the possibility or the way to do that. Uh, one of the main things that handicaps us, of course, is that we have no scouring facilities here. Yeah. So even if we do send our wool over to Bradford to be scoured, when it comes back, we can't sell it as Irish. It needs to be British Isles or something because it's been mixed together with, with other wools. There's no wool board here. No, um, I have to say I find it kind of funny that uh, you hear online or people talking and complaining about the wool board. 
I'll be honest with you, I'd give my right hand for us to have a wool board over here. Um, I went A few months ago, I went to a shearing class um, down in Wexford, I believe. And we're in such a sorry state that we had to get somebody in from the British wool board to tutor the shears. We had nobody with that expertise in the country. And I have to say, that just makes me really sad. It's such a, it's such a sorry state of affairs. And that will have bearing on the kind of fleece that you get back then as well. If there is nobody uh, with skills in shearing and skills in wool yeah, marketing. And it, it's a really big problem actually I'm facing at the moment. Uh, my big aim really for this year is to build up relationships with the farmers, with specific farmers, and help educate them or show them the way that fleece can be better prepared so that you can add more value to the fleece. Um, just an example, again, break your heart. I, I was working with a, a, a Jacob farm, a farm with, with Jacob sheep, lovely, lovely fleeces. Uh, two years in a row, the fleece came back. It was lovely, it was gorgeous. And then the third year, for some reason or other, they decided that they would shear the, the sheep on straw. So I got a tiramisu of this lovely Jacob fleece with straw, and just that's it that was ruined there was nothing that I could do with it so, so you have that kind of stuff going on and they don't really understand why that's a problem because for the wool merchant it, it isn't it's going to get dosed in acid anyway and baked so usually it isn't a problem so I've kind of taken that challenge on for this year and to try and um, clean up the supply lines and focus on Jacob and Galway fleece, which I have to say are two of my favourite fleeces. I really, really They're love incredible. them. incredible. Jacob, every month the Knit British um, listeners will, will, we all review the same breed yarn, and we've just done Jacob, and I think it's been one that has surprised people the most, yeah. because it really is an incredible fleece. It's, it's a lovely fleece. And so different between the different colours. It's incredible. Yeah, it's, oh, it's absolutely amazing. And what I find most surprising about the Jacob is, it's actually classified as a coarse fleece. Mm-hmm. But the handle of it, the feel of it, it can actually be quite silky. And it's, lustrous. Yes, it's a lovely, lovely, lovely yeah. fleece. So, yes, hopefully, well, no, I'm pretty sure I've most of the, the big problems sorted. And um, this year we're going to move our production away from more mixes and focus on the Jacob and the Galway. I've talked about S-Twist on the podcast before because you were at Edinburgh Yarn Festival I a couple of years ago yeah. and I, I talk about the different vendors and what they're doing and everything but, but you were spinning everything yourself I was. for a while and now you're moving towards Millspun Exactly yes. and Are you able to do that here in Ireland? No um, So I use a fermentation method to scour the fleece and it doesn't scour the fleece 100% it leaves a small amount about 4 or 5% of lanolin in the fleece and I think it's because of the temperatures but if I bring this to an Irish mill they go no way is that going near my machinery (laughs) and I can understand it because it's colder and the lanolin is going to get stuck in their carders whereas well I send out to Portugal and seemingly well he doesn't seem to have a problem with it I presume because the temperature the lanolin is more fluid and it doesn't build up as much I presume that's what the story is yeah um, I would love in the future if I could get it all done here in Ireland because it would just make more sense and it would be more environmentally friendly and so on but at the moment 
well, we can't have everything that we want. No, and it's true. I mean, you're talking about in your in your talk earlier in the panel about how interest is is building. It's not quite cresting. So, what is needed? We need to do it. That's what we need. We need People. to do it. Yeah. Um, so, I would love. My dream really is production-wise that I would move, if you like, a little further upstream. Mm-hmm. And that I would have small farms, as small people with small amounts of sheep here in Ireland, who would be bringing me their fleece, and that I would be spinning that for them. I see that as the future of Irish wool. We're never going to be big, massive players. We are never going to be competing against Merino and so on. But we have lovely, lovely wool for that niche that we have if you need wool for bad weather then Irish wool is the best wool that you can have yeah and we should focus on that and I think it's going to work out like like the food has been working out and I think it just serves as a model for what it is that we need to do and that's it then now everything really is there now we just need to do it yeah and there has been for a long time especially in in the UK this people going we should have this we should have more of this but now there are people going well I'm gonna do it exactly I'm gonna do it and if you're scared to do it yourself there are other people who are, they're collaborating and I think it's the collaborations yeah. you know and the and the connections are, are huge uh, yeah I mean to be honest about it here we just look on in jealousy at what you have over there um, the fact that you can scour the wool and still have, be able to label it as British that's a massive thing yeah um, but it's pers- not perfect but it's it's a lot. I mean, that was this. I spent over a year trying to overcome that hurdle and yeah. to perfect my process for the scouring. Um, for some reason, I don't know why you can do it and we can't. But for some reason, you have had lots of EU money um, pouring into your small mini mills. We haven't got that, but okay, fair yeah. enough. But as I said, we're looking on in jealousy. Um, and <laughs> and not, not only that, jealousy, uh, not only jealousy, we are happy for you and you serve as an example for us. Uh, but who knows what will happen with the EU money across the board from agriculture to yeah, things? Well, well, okay, yeah, I mean, I, but, I, I, I can imagine you'd be kind of worried about Brexit at the moment, and I can't imagine uh, a Tory. Uh, government is going to be very worried about the wool markets in uh, <laughs> Scotland or Wales um, so but hey yeah. nobody knows what's going to come tomorrow and I think the important thing is the investment has already been done and to a large extent I suppose the heavy lifting has been done so you're already a step ahead yeah but you think it's it's in the near future for Ireland yes good <laughs> <laughs> Well, more, more I'm not going to say anything more about that at the moment. Oh, I'll just, I'll with just a slight smile. little <laughs> smile on his face that says no more. Come back and ask me again, maybe. Exactly, Good. yes. That's all I've got to say on, on, on well, the matter. Thank, thank you very much. That's amazing. No problem thank at all. Thank you, you very much. So let's have a little look at 
the Romney breed. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Romney sheep. I'm going to talk about my um, encounter with um, my Romney swatching. So this month's reading comes from the Fleece and Fibre Sourcebook by Deb Robson and Carla Carius, Pure Wool by Sue Blacker and The Knitter's Book of Wool by Clara Parks. All fantastic books. If you don't have them, seek them out from your local independent bookseller. Uh, the Romney breed is actually a member of the Long Wool family, which I remember being a bit of a surprise to me as... They look a little bit different from the sheep that we think of as long wool. I mean, we think of those long ringlety Wensleydales and Teeswaters, those, you know, blue-faced Leicesters, those sort of, um, those sort of sheep. Um, they are a true dual-purpose sheep being favoured for their meat as well as their wool. The breed itself dates from the 13th century um, and it's a hardy breed that has been adapted uh, to life on the Romney marshes, which are situated in the southeast corner of England and cover an area of about 100 square miles. The marshes are wet, you know, as one would imagine marshes to be, and the sheep have learned to adapt to life on the soggy locations and have adapted also to growing quite fine fleeces despite living on a landscape below sea level. Their forebears did not produce such fine fleeces. Now it's commonly around 35 microns. Um, and their forebears also suffered a lot of health problems. But by the 19th century, shepherds were keen to further improve the breed. Um, and through selection and the introduction of that Dishley Leicester bloodline of which we hear about um, through our wool exploration, the modern Romney was born. Unlike our last breed, um, which was the Teeswater, uh, the Romney was brought into the US near, uh, in the early 1900s. You might remember that the Teeswater was in the 1990s. Um, the Romney were brought over um, by a Scottish migrant farmer called William Riddle, and they adapted really well, as obviously there's a survival instinct in them. Uh, Romneys are actually really great globe trotters and have, an uh, have been established well in many areas, including Australia and New Zealand, and we'll see some of those in our exploration today. Um, not only do they do well as a breed, but the Romneys have been successful, uh, successfully crossed to create breeds like the Perrindale, the Coopworth, CVM, Rommeldale, Corradale, and also carpet wool breeds like the Drysdale. As I said, they're a great dual-purpose sheep, and they're of you know, great economic importance to farmers. For example, in New Zealand, where Romney make up the dominant flocks, the export of their lamb can bring um, most of the country's meat export revenues in. Um, I've got a figure here that says 10 years ago that was 4.5 billion. I'm not quite sure what that is now, but that's pretty incredible. Uh, and I, you know, I don't make any apolog apologies to those of you who are uncomfortable hearing about sheep and meat. Well, some of you are happy to separate the wool from the sheep and try not to think about what eventually happens to the animal. It doesn't stop the fact that wool is largely a byproduct, and meat for many producers and to the economy of countries is the important thing. We do what we can to support rare breeds um, through knitting in our craft, but buying and consuming their meat supports that more. So I won't make apologies for talking about that. 
Uh, when it comes to the characteristics, Romneys are big sheep. In Sue Blacker's book, uh, Pure Wool, she remarks that they are the quintessential white fleecy sheep from children's picture books. Um, they are very hardy, very long-lived. Well, I suppose to be going since the 13th century is probably a good marker of that. Um, they are not horned. They have a mid-length fleece. The, the fleece can weigh three to five kilograms. While not that sort of long, ringlety, teeswatery Wednesdaydale that we think of when we think of long wools, um, it does have that reflective luster. And the crimp is a definite, bold and uniform crimp all the way along the lock. And the staple is about five to eight inches long. Micron ranges can differ between our globe-trotting Romney. Um, the fleece and fibre, when I say globe-trotting Romney, it sounds like they're walking around with knapsacks on their back. You know what I mean. Uh, the fleece and fibre source books say that the American Romney ranges from about 29 to 36 microns. The New Zealand Romney fleece, 33 to 37 microns. And the UK, between 30 and 35 microns. And this is what... The fleece and fibre source book says about Romney fleece. Romney is the fleece most likely to be voted president of the Wool High School senior class. It can't do everything, but it is an all-round good citizen and extremely versatile with personality and charisma. It's a classic for many good reasons. Uh, because Romney are now found in many geographic regions, breeders can closely adapt their flocks to environments. The wool reflects some of these environmental factors, but the fibre characteristics are similar enough for textile workers' purposes. Then they go on to say, Romneys produce wool in a range from moderately coarse to fairly fine. The fibre belongs to the long wool family, but it's finer than most of the other long wools uh, to feel like a cousin rather than a sibling. Now, here's something that I was a little ignorant of, uh, that Romneys aren't just white or cream. Here, we, we touch on something that I asked on Twitter the other day, might come close to sheep racism. If sheep racism is a trigger for you, you might want to fast forward this bit. But I know that black, grey and brown are present in Antipodean and um, US Romney. Uh, and I sort of wondered if that was a product of the local breeding. I didn't really appreciate that the UK also got coloured Romney. Um, and I did knit with a grey Romney a few years ago, and I'll revisit that swatch with you shortly. Um, but I was sort of led to believe that that was a bit of a special thing. And special it is, but it's not as unique as I thought. So I did a little bit of Googling um, on this and every time I looked at the breed characteristics for the UK Romney, I got white or cream sort of nine out of ten times with a mention of um, also available in other natural shades. But as a breed standard, you know, from Breeders Association websites, it looked like white was what was being offered as, you know, what, what the breed fleece should be and it reminded me of what a ryland breeder once told me that coloured rylands were sneered upon or are sneered upon by some breeders as they're seen as an inferior strain that the colour that the coloured gene isn't as good as the white 
dread <laughs> sounds dreadful. Um, so white white Rylands were seen as exceptional. Uh, I think you might remember from our Ryland discussion that it's only relatively recently that coloured Rylands have been allowed in the flock book. Um, so I wondered if this was the same with Romney, that the white fleece was was sort of seen as um, better somehow. Um, so I asked the Twitter hive mind and I got a lot of references back that the British Wool Marketing Board don't want any coloured fleece amongst white fleece because it doesn't dye the same way as white. Uh, that was not really what I was sort of asking, I guess. I was asking if, if specifically UK Romney breeders felt like that this was a similar thing, that um, coloured Romneys were seen as sort of an inferior strain somehow. Um, so I didn't get that answer, uh, but I went on to the wonderful world of Wikipedia, uh, which told me that traditionally natural coloured uh, black Romney sheep were detested, which is a really strong word. I'm not quite sure if that was a Romney breeder that wrote that. And it said even a small amount of black fibre from an otherwise white sheep would ruin textiles. And I guess in that same way, you know, if you if you want a uniformly white fleece for a particular purpose, then black fleece within that isn't going to, or coloured fleece within that is, you know, isn't going to do, I guess. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. And maybe for commercial producers, that's still the case. The white fleece is highly regarded. Um, you get more money for white fleece than you do for coloured fleece, I think, as well. But what was great to learn was that coloured varieties from black to brown to grey are sought after by hand spinners and knitters. Hooray for diversity. The wool marketing board don't care about your fleeces of colour, but we do. Um, but still, I think it was interesting. And if anybody does know the answer as to why often when you Google Romney uh, and you Google the sort of breed standard, you get white as the, the fleece colour. Um, why is that? Where did the colour cheap come from? Is that from um, the improvements in the 19th century? Is that through the Dishley line? Is that some other kind of, um, you know, selection that's gone on there? Is it some sort of recessive gene or something? Is it seen that way? I hope not, because I think um, it's wonderful. And again, we knitters love diversity in our natural shades. And natural shades is something I'm going to come on to talk about in a moment but any UK Romney breeders have have information on that even if you don't want it you know publicized just drop me a line louise at knitbritish.net um, I'd like to know it'd be interesting to know thank you um hand spinners enjoy Romney it's easy to spin from the greasy locks but it cards and combs really well I did spin some Romney. I spun some from the locks and I carded it too. Very well it did card and very well it did spin from the locks but now I'm wondering if my Romney fleece might have been a cross because I put some pictures up of it onto Instagram and a learned friend said that it didn't look crimpy enough to be a Romney. Now it was labelled Kent Romney but it could easily you know, the, the seller might not even know that it had been um, a, a, 
not come from a pure Romney, so I don't hold anybody in sort of um, up to blame for that. Um, but I've decided to take my hand spun out of the exploration for this time, just in case uh, it's not actually Romney. I will put up a picture of it though, so you can see. Um, I did knit with Romney though. I used a double knit from the Aylesford flock, which I got from Brit Yarns, so hope. Um, <laughs> this uh, is a worsted spun yarn, the colour of uh, creamy gold. So shiny, so shiny. Uh, in the hand squish grab, it's got give and it's soft, um, but rather like a raw silken yarn. Um, gently two-plied and I thought that this yarn would be great for drapey items so I was mentally sort of likening it to Teeswater. Uh, in the swatching I made another wee polygon hexagon by Tin Can Knits. Uh, the yarn cast on beautifully and knit fairly smooth but there was a bit of skewering going on. I often find that, that can be the nature of worsted spun yarns that you just stick the needle between those two plies but what I couldn't go over was the shine and the texture. And despite the skewering uh, of the yarn, it um, was impressively defined. Uh, they're really lovely wee neat rows of garter, which are not blurred at all by the fine surface halo. Uh, I couldn't help but thinking this would be the kind of yarn that would be great for a woolly worm head hat, given that great stitch definition in this worsted spun yarn or beautiful with something with a bit of lace detail and something that came to mind was Car Carol Feller's recent tabbouleh cardigan which might be lovely in this. It has a very simple lace and cable design. When I washed and finished the hexagon there was a wee bit of lanolin which was released in the water and I wasn't actually aware of that when I was knitting it um, and it blocked and it was remarkably quick in drying. I was able to wear it the next day at my shoulder under my bra strap. I didn't feel it much uh, but it felt quite cool when I first placed it there which was interesting. Uh, no prickle for me and no real prickle sensation when I held it against my face either. Um, I did notice that the swatch was quick to lose its block though um, but that might have been down to the fact that I only blocked it for a short duration because uh, it dried really quickly and I was eager to wear it. Uh, next wash I blocked it longer and bigger and this time I noticed that it still did bounce back a little but kept its shape overall. So if you wanted to use this for a sweater you really would need to swatch um, to see what the dimensions would be. I also revisited my grey Romney Marsh Wools double knit swatch from a few years ago and this is a wool and spun double knit which was airy but had a sort of dry crisp nature in the hand. Uh, it knitted to me sort of feeling like a hefty Shetland yarn and while it was crisp I also noticed that it had great stretch uh, and the first wa wash block and wear I found it wearing in my inner arm it was itchy that's right I used that word back then and I do th I've said this before I do think itch is a personal feeling I wouldn't use it as a good describing word for yarn in general and since that um, that particular cowl I have always urged people to try and not use the word itchy um, because it is a very very personal feeling um, but that was how it felt at the time on my arm um, it had bloomed it was still springy and I detected a light lustrous quality 
um, when I washed it for the second time, the swatch relaxed more and there was no abrasion um, the next time in that same place. Flush forward, um, I must have washed and blocked but not worn this swatch three or four times since then. I tend to wash all the swatches after I've had a squishing handling session with others. Um, <laughs> mostly because, you know, we smell wool, we rub it against our faces and things, so it's only polite to you know, wash it for the next person, but it's also great because it gives um this always this idea that I'm talking about that wool changes the more you wash it and block it and wear it. Um this time after I washed it, I instead of blocking it, I just laid it flat to dry. It still has amazing stretch widthwise. Um and the surface halo is now more pronounced, though vigorous rubbing did not generate a pill but tons of heat. I actually had to put it down <laughs> because it was really, really hot after doing the vigorous rubbing. Uh, <laughs> this time I wore the swatch on various areas. Uh, there was no feeling at the arm again and none on my hip. Um, at my shoulder and neck, there was an ever so slight notice when it was first put there. But then after that, it went away. The only thing that I can say about this wearing this swatch was warm, 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 warm. It was very warm. That's what I noticed um, most. And I should say that's what I noticed most when I took it away because um, the swatch was very warm when I took it away from my body and I my the parts of my body that that had been on sort of missed the heat. I'm really impressed with how this yarn has gone on over a lot of washes and, and blocks and I stand by my original assessment of this wool and spun Romney Marsh wool uh, when I said a few years ago it would be great for you know a workhorse yarn for so many items and definitely I fancy a lovely winter sweater in this yarn. Um, I really 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 enjoyed it and, I, and the fact that it's um, worn well is always a wonderful thing to know um, and it's why we do wool exploration, isn't it? Keep listening. We will find out what our woolly muckers thought in a moment or two. You will have seen on the blog that Nature Shades Along is coming back. Thank you for your enthusiasm and interest in this. Uh, the cast on is going to be Friday the 13th of July and the cast off is Friday the 31st of August. Checks the calendar to make sure that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, as with most Knit British cows, you can do any pattern. You, as long as you can wear it, that's the only stipulation. No pot water bottle cozies or teapot covers or anything like that. Um, you can knit, crochet, weave, whatever. Um, but there are two options this time. Option one, as nature intended, you must use at least two different natural shades. No dyed or bleached yarns. And I am going to be a bit emphatic about that. Check. Because all brown yarn is not natural brown. All white yarn is not natural white. Some yarns are bleached and some yarns are dyed even natural colours. So it's really good to check. And if you're not sure, check with the person that you got, you're buying it from. 
Um, this is a British or local to you wool along. If you can't find wool in your local area, and remember that can be your backyard or your country, then you can use British wool. Uh, option two is mostly natural. And this is for those of you who are a bit scared of all natural shades. Although I'm sure those of you listening to this podcast have come to appreciate natural shades by now. Um, so you must still use at least two natural shades, but you can use up to 25% of your finished object in dyed yarn. You can use a maximum of two dyed shades, but the bulk of your yarn for your finished object must be made up of natural shades. I really, really, really did think hard about that option because the natural, the nature shades along was something that Isla uh, from Isla Davidson and I had come up with to remind people that, you know, the natural rainbow could be just as striking um, as dyed shades and we showed that and we have still have people who come up to us now and say how much they enjoyed that cal and how much it changed their opinion of natural colour but I know that some some people need the comfort of a dyed shade and so this should be looked upon as the nature shades along with a tiny colourful flourish um, so I really want you to think about how your small 25% dyed yarn allowance can really interplay with those natural shades. It's got to be about the natural shades with a little colourful flourish. Um, so yeah, so all of the details that you want are on the blog at knitbritish.net. All of the rules are there. Um, if you have any questions, you can leave a comment on that blog post or you can come on over to the Ravelry group and join the Nature Shades Along 2018 chat thread. Um, already lots of chatter, which is wonderful. Um, the first Nature Shades Along, it went so well. And again, so many of you, you know, come up to us and still tell us that that's what got you started with natural yarn. So I'm really excited to what this Nature Shades Along um, will bring. As I say, there's a lot more information in that blog post, also information about why I decided we needed another Nature Shades Along. Um, but I'm I'm really excited. So I think I'm going to make a Nordic Wind Shawl in the Ram Jam uh, that I got from Daughter of a Shepherd at Edinburgh Yarn Festival. And I'm also thinking if I have time... <sighs> <laughs> um, if I get that finished and that, that's an Aran weight shawl I should finish that I'd also like to start a Melanie Berg shawl possibly Moonraker and I'd like to do this with the pop of colour so I have um, some yarn from Berlin that I'd like to use I've got their sort of uh, Hebridean and Cheviot dyed shades and I've got their Heb the Hebridean undyed and then I'd also like to use some wool from Uist in amongst that too so I think if I have time that will be my with a flourish so trying to think about the ways in which those will go really well together and Melanie Berg has so many great shawl patterns that she would be a really good designer for for this the the nature shades with, with well either either mostly natural or as nature intended 
Um, so I'm looking forward uh, to that. Expect a blog post, hopefully, uh, before the cast on on the 13th of July. Seems to be never-ending amount of work at the moment um, from one thing or another, but I have good intentions. <laughs> um, but also, as I said, the Ravelry chat thread is open. There will be prizes for this cal, and I will announce those prizes um, as we go on. Um, I'm excited for this. What are you going to cast on? Good intentions... Quarter three is almost up. I can't believe how quickly this quarter has flown in. Once again, there has been incredible work that has gone on over in Good Intentions Quarter Three uh, chat and progress thread. So many finished items, so many sweaters. I'll, honestly, um, you, you guys blow me away and <laughs> uh, it's it's incredible. Hecky thump, Helen. Uh, again, my hat is off to you again this quarter, chum, because you have just gone stonking on with your sweaters. She's knit a Tegna. She's written it a Gemini. I'm sure there was another one that she... Oh, a JC uh, cardigan. Uh, uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, Silver Spring Knit. She knit the Incunabula cardigan by Carrie Westerman in incredible Blacker Yarns British classic double knit yarn. Amber Weinberg, she knit Bonnie. Uh, uh, what else have we got here? Oh, we've got Lo Paesa. We've got incredible shawls. Uh, Hannah K. Ross has been knitting the end paper mitts uh, in Rennie's yarn. Elethea um, has done the 10 stitch twist blanket, which is incredible. Um, just such a lot of of good work and such a lot of encouragement and such a lot of good chat in the Good Intentions thread as always. And I am always absolutely blown away by the work that goes on here and your, um, your sense of community and comradeship. It's wonderful. So quarter four. What... What will you make for quarter four? You notice there that I didn't mention what I made for quarter three. Um, I always end, start off going to make something and then make something else, which qualifies as a good intention, but isn't quite the good intention that I intended. Um, my good intention for quarter three is the Lush Cardigan in Whistlebear Chibi Blue yarn, which I bought in December for a Lush and I, oh, I'm nearly there. I, I might make it, you guys. I might make it uh, by the 30th of June. If I, I've got one button band to do, which is the one with the buttonholes on it. And I've got um, about a sleeve and a half to knit. It's doable, right? <laughs> um, I can't wait. I really, really, really enjoyed um, knitting with that yarn it's a proper workhorse yarn really good sweater yarn um from whistlebear with um blueface lester and cheviot um so what will i knit for quarter four well i could try and double dip with nature shades along and cast on that half hansel in jimison and smith chitland heritage worsted spun yarn 
because that that's definitely been a good intention for a long time. Uh, my mahi that I started for intention three is still on the pins, still not even halfway to being the center being finished. But that's what we have things, you know. I'll just we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. Um, sometimes you know what it's like. Other knits force their way to the front of your. Um, project bag or other things get in the way um so i i still have fully you know full good intentions of finishing that mahi hap and good intentions of at some point starting that shetland hap in uh <laughs> in jemison smith heritage um we'll see what do you have planned i'd love to know about it tell us in the comments um on the blog post or in the Thread, I will open up a Good Intentions quarter four thread soon um, and you can um, cast on your Good Intentions quarter four on the 1st of July, which is probably uh, the Sunday after this podcast goes out. So happy knitting and thank you again for your Good Intentions and your enthusiasm for the Good Intentions Club, which is, of course, the knitting and pattern club that you already own. So now it's time to find out how our wool explorers encountered the Romney. We had 15 reviewers uh, this month. Uh, 11 were using double knit, the rest were using iron weight. This month um, it was roughly half and half between worsted spun and woolen spun with a couple of semi-worsteds um, thrown in. Uh, in terms of location, 12 of our uh, explorers were using UK Romney, one was using New Zealand and two using US Romney. Uh, in terms of needle sizes, uh, the majority of us used um, five millimeter and four millimeter needles or hook sizes, but we did go as low as um, two point seven five. So that's really inter interesting for you know heavier weight heavier weight yarns. Um, so let's go right in and find out how our reviewers got on. I should say that our explorers this month were. Thinking Knit Green, Dry Gardening, Silver Spring Knit, Souf, Mademoiselle Michelle, Rebecca72 Jones, Becky IP, Generva Makes, Elfin Petronella, I Ribeiro, Predo Delana, Seaweed Sarah, Find Fertile Fibres, and a Small Bear. And let's first have a look at the hand squish grab and initial thoughts on use. Think and Knit Green was also using the same as me, the Aylesford double knit worsted spun. She says the hand squish grab was not spongy, not elastic, not plump, rather stringy, particularly soft uh, due to the texture that closely resembles silk yarn. And her initial thoughts were hat, shawl, scarf, or jumper. Dry gardening. She was knitting with World of Wool. Romney double knit. Now, um, I've forgotten it because I don't have my notes next to me, but um, there was discussion about the weight of yarn from World of Wool in the Knit British Ravelry thread, and I will link to the exact post about this, um, that some people were finding that the double knit wasn't knitting up to a double knit gauge, 
and um, a couple of intrepid wood explorers went a little bit further to find out more details on this and I will link to those posts in the Knit British Ravelry group. I think Dry Gardening got the most definitive answer from World of Wool on that. Um, so that was really great, really, really intrepid and I really, really appreciate that you brought that information back to the group. Dry Gardening says, I note that this yarn is 19 wraps per inch, which appears inconsistent for classifying the yarn as double knit. Again, I'll link to that in the show notes for you to have a, have a look at that post. The yarn consists of three strands plied in what I consider a moderate twist. Uh, handling the unwound skein, the yarn fibre felt strong, somewhat stiff, resistant to compression and with a low to moderate attractive luster. Some very fine short hairs extend from the yarn surface. Uh, Silver Spring Knit Nora was knitting with uh, an Aaron Romney from Solitude Yarns in America and she said the yarn was lovely to squish in the ball that I had lots of bounce. Suf was using uh, Aragon Aran yarn. I might be mis misremembering, but I think that might be singles yarn. And she said the hand squish grab, very soft and spongy yarn you want to cuddle. Uh, Michelle was using uh, Romney from New Zealand uh, from Fine Fibre Farm. And she said this was a mystery skein with no info. I'm assuming it's DK Woolen Spun with comparisons to other yarns. The major first hand squish is full of lanolin, making it very soft and smooth. I wonder if Romney is a particularly greasy wool, or if this yarn just hasn't been overly scoured. The two plies are lightly twisted together, so I imagine this fabric will be quite plump and airy once it's had a good wash. It has a sheen reminiscent of Wensleydale long wool that I have in stash. The colour is a natural taupe brown shade undyed. Rebecca 72 Jones uh, was using Romney Marsh wool and she said the yarn seems solidly spun and my initial thought is that it felt like cotton. The yarn has a slight halo of shorter hairs and doesn't seem to stretch much when twanged between the two hands. Becky IP also using another uh, Romney Marsh wool's double knit. She said the hand swish grab, slightly sheepy smell, strong, smooth through the hands with a slight halo. Feels rougher when rubbed against my cheek and the back of my neck. Um, and again, that's denotes that sort of dry crispness that I felt with that yarn. Um, Genereva makes also using Aragon Aran. She says it bounces back, very dense, medium elasticity at pieces of yarn in the skein. I cannot break the yarn. Even with a firm pull. Oh, that's interesting. And she says, yes, it's single spun, somewhat hairy with escaping fibres. Uh, dry, more matte finish, but the bright colour pink um, that is dyed appears sparkly in the light. Some vegetable matter, uh, not uh, irritating when rubbed against the skin. Elf and Petronella said uh, she was using Ailsford Flock as well. She said there's plenty of give to this skein when squished, but I wouldn't describe the yarn as soft. It had a dry, almost powdery feel when I wound it. I found myself wondering how much it would play with Wensleydale, perhaps in one of Woolly Wormhead's elemental hats. Now, that's really interesting because, again, I also thought of Woolly Wormhead for that great worsted spun yarn. So great minds think alike. I love that. I Ribeiro said um, that she was knitting 
with a hand spun yarn that she spun from Romney fiber from Sarah's Texture um, Crafts and she made a sweater with it. So this review is based on a sweater that she made uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, and she said, it was soft and warm, lovely to knit with, some silkiness to it, no sign of roughness. Uh, Prado Delana. Now, this is Amanda Barsonist, and I asked Amanda if she would take part in our Romney uh, wool exploration because she keeps Romneys and she's uh, in America. I was really keen for her to take part in this as well so we could um, have some American Romney to compare uh, in our wool exploration. Uh, she also has uh, Lincoln Long Wools and CBMs, I think. Uh, maybe Rommeldale, maybe I'm wrong in saying that, um, but uh, you should check out our website, Prada Delana. Uh, she said, uh, hand squish grab, great handle, very squishy, uh, would be good for any uh, garment or accessory. Seaweed Sarah, so I should say that she was using an Aran Romney. Uh, Seaweed Sarah is using Black Bat Rare Breeds Double Knit and she said hand squish grab was pleasantly soft, dry with a velvety feel in the ball, plump and quite squishy without any real distinctive features. She thought it would be good for chunky outerwear in the beginning. Uh, fine Fetal Fibres, Judith, she was using Romney Marsh Wool and she said plump, smooth and even, Bouncy. She was using a brownish grey, which is very attractive, with a hint of natural marl. Feels cosy and tempting. Like that. A small bear, she said. Feels almost felted, but I don't think it has. I just mean it in the sense that it's the feeling you get from felt. Quite squishy, a little bounce uh, and a gentle tooth. Mine is a very appealing natural ivory with some light brown hairs blended into the spinning to give an overall limestone colour. A definite sheepy smell, which I don't mind at all. Initial thoughts for Sheila were jerseys, jackets, hats, gloves and throws. Um, so good overall impressions to begin with. Uh, so what were the observances from swatching? Think and Knit Green, she said uh, that it was smooth wool that gleadingly, uh, <laughs> smooth wool that glides pleasingly on the needles, uh, does not split easily, delicate, and the unusual softness is surely attributable to the extremely fine long fibres. Uh, that's again the Aylesford flock double knit worsted. Dry Gardening said easily manipulated uh, with uh, in crochet uh, with the crochet stitches used stunning stitch definition plied strands uh, of the yarn held fairly well while being worked not overly tending towards splitting through the plied strands which loosened a bit sometimes uh, the short fine fibers extended from the surface of the yarn seemed insignificant as the fabric worked up showing excellent stitch definition to a low and moderate luster finish on the fabric surface. Low drape pre-blocking. And again, that was a world of wool um, yarn that she was using there. Silver Spring Knits Nora said it felt great to work with. It slid through hands and along the needles well. Suf said of the Aragon Aran that there was a lot of shedding all over the place whilst knitting, otherwise nice and easy to work with, good for colour work and good stitch definition. Michelle said, 
Uh, so oily, as I noticed from the skein. Lovely on the hands, no splitting. The doubled yarn has wonderful stitch definition and the garter stitch is fat and squishy. There is a bit of a fuzzy halo to the yarn. Uh, Rebecca 72 Jones of her Romney Marsh wool said, lovely to knit with and smooth over the needles. Some shorter guard hairs were noticed. The yarn did feel dry between my fingers. No shedding. The stitches looked lovely as they were produced and it reminded me of a cabled white cardigan I had as a child. Becky IP, also with the Romney Marsh DK, said it moved nicely through the hands, grippy on the needles, holds the stitches well, even when I dropped some, <laughs> and stockingette stitch looks nice and smooth. Uh, Genervamake makes said of the Aragon Aran, soft and squishy, but a dry softness, not slippery at all. Tiny fibres, and she says 5 to 10 millimetres long, uh, were escaping as the yarn is moved. Some nets, nips and pieces of fluff escape as I knit. Soft, loose look to the stitches. Ribbing is not very crisp or defined. Again, that's the Aragon Aran, so maybe the singles ply um, is, is um, attributed to that. Um, loose stitches and also the shedding, which uh, Anne also found with the Aragon. Elfin Petronella with her Aylesford yarn, she said it knit up well, smooth on the needles and coped with being ripped back a few times. Ayribero said, just lovely to knit, lace stitches have beautiful body and did not obscure the pattern at all. Uh, Amanda said, very easy to knit, stitch definition is excellent, keep thinking that this would make a lovely jumper. Uh, seaweed Sarah with her um, black bat rare breed said curled up a bit, did not much drape, a good stitch definition on a variety of stitches tried, garter, lace and cables. Uh, Fine Fed Fibre said very well behaved, giving good stitch definition and a lovely even fabric, no coarse hairs and a hint of luster going on. Yes, I found that with my Romney Marsh wool as well, not as lustrous as other long wools but that reflective nature that demi luster is beautiful uh, small bear says a little hairy to work with um this is the romney marsh wool but slips easily through my hands a great stitch definition a few longer hairs but no roughness from them a sense of density is reduced uh, when worked this way but you still might get it if working in stockinette on a 3.5 millimeter needle um, it would look lovely for a walking jumper. I like the denseness. It would keep the wind out. I like the hairiness against my skin. It is a bit ticklish and there is an underlying creaminess that may come out as it's washed. And as you heard from my um, review of the same yarn that's been washed, blocked and worn a lot, that's pretty bang on, I think, Sheila. Uh, so let's go to the wash, block and wear then. Uh, thinking that Green said, no gain in softness, that, but remarkably soft next to the skin. Didn't plump up as Jacob's Lanwenig or Shetland. Uh, no shrinkage, kept the block well. Um, good body for a fabric that weighs more uh, than a similar Ryland or North Ronaldsey swatch would. Uh, dry gardening soaked hers with warm water for approximately two hours. The water appeared slightly cloudy 
uh, when drained off, it was easy to block and held its block close to perfect when the T-pins were removed. Stitch definition appeared even greater after blocking, despite fine short fibres still being visible and extending from the yarn surface. Drape remains relatively low, luster remains low to moderate and quite attractive. Uh, on the wear test one, worn directly against my chest for a day whilst engaged in daily activities, housework, walking, some gardening. I was aware of the swatch and uh, at the day's end was ready to remove it. I think this yarn would be great for outer layers and less sensitive skin areas. That is so helpful. Thank you, Dry Gardening. And that was the World of Wool double knit. Uh, Silver Spring Knit with her solitude uh, Romney, she said, first wash was a long soak in soak. It softened a bit and grew slightly. The stitch definition is quite clear and there is a slight halo. I wore it for one day under the brass strap and barely noticed it. Uh, Suf with the Aragon Aran said, hand wash with Ysalan, softened compared to the before the wash and the swatch remained the same size. The colour uh, pattern became more defined and clear and the colour didn't bleed. I uh, wore under my bra strap at the front for 25 minutes. Um, it began to prickle and moved it to the back and forgot all about it. Very warm and comfortable against the skin. Michelle, I uh, she knit more than one swatch and she said, I blocked sw both swatches in very hot water with soak. No agitation. Just left them sitting there for a couple of hours to reduce the lanolin on the yarn. I didn't notice any felting or problems from this. The garter stitch stayed the same size, but the basket weave grew widthwise by an inch. Uh, both of the swatches felt wonderfully soft, warm and plump. I wore them for the day and felt quite happy with them directly on my skin. No prickle whatsoever. So this yarn will make a wonderful cowl or hat. I would feel quite comfortable using this for baby things. But with yarn this soft, I wonder how long it would last in big items um, for jumpers is it too soft to withstand that kind of use well it depends are we talking about pilling here are we talking about signs of wear because that does happen and we, we we know that that can happen but we also know that can happen with yarns that are toothier and and actually aren't so soft they can still they can still pill and they can still wear. In fact, I've come to the decision now that pilling just is going to happen and we just have to get used to it. At some degree, yarn is going to bobble and pill. But I guess it depends on how we look after it and what we do with it. So this is a good question and, and something that um, perhaps, you know, Michelle, you might want to... to um, explore more you might want to wash block and wear those swatches more you might want to take one of those swatches and um like my good friend Sonia Bargoloska take a take a pumice stone to it and see what it does is it gonna pill is it gonna fluff up is it gonna be the kind of yarn that needs ongoing attention in a sweater and I suppose that brings up the bigger question of and then are we prepared to look after that because getting totally off the point here but you know that I like a good derailment for many of us we favour merino merino isn't always the best yarn for sweaters because let's face it it can pill like the dickens 
some of us don't realise that until it's too late. Others, we use our due diligence in, in making items out of merino, um, knowing that we might have to look after them. So is Romney, is your Romney going to be the same? I would love to know if you do further um, exploration. But just because the yarn is soft doesn't mean that it isn't going to wear well either. But I would be really interested to know um, what becomes of your swatches, Michelle. Back on track, Rebecca 72 Jones, her first wash block and wear, she left soaking overnight in cold water and soak, then squeezed it into a bowl and rolled it in a towel before pulling it flat and into shape. She left it drying on the towel and blocked it out a bit bigger um, to 22 by 22 centimetres. She said, this swatch felt softer after washing and a little less stiff in the drape after washing. The drape was pleasant, it was neither too stiff nor very flowing the swatch feels dry and a bit itchy between my fingers as I rub it and there's a slight halo of shorter hairs and I think it's semi-lustrous uh, it's not dull but it's not too shiny either I wore it under my bra strap next to my skin I didn't really notice its presence but I certainly noticed its absence it was very insulating uh, Becky IP also using the Romney Marsh uh, double knit, she said, soaked in Ucelan and warm water for 30 minutes, blocked to the pattern size of 17.5 centimetres square, would have blocked larger, which would open up the lace better. Uh, the stocking stitch leaf pattern looks clear against the garter stitch background. Worn under the shirt for a whole day and after an initial prickle, it was unnoticed for the rest of the day, nice and warm. Uh, Ginerva Make said no significant change in size, not really aware of the swatch worn under the t-shirt. Some dye escaped on uh, washing, uh, though this is not unexpected for a bright red item, that is for sure. And Elfin Petronella with the Aylesford flock. She said that for the first block, I left the swatch in wool wash and lukewarm water for about half an hour. It measured 20.5 by 22.5 centimetres post blocking. The swatch had softened but maintained excellent stitch definition. I wore it in my waistband for four hours uh, because I forgot it was there. It was so soft. It certainly gives Merino a run for its money on that count. That's a lovely thing to read. <laughs> Stitches have become a little squashed after the wearing. I, Riberio, said, not sure if it's changed with washing, but the sweater is still lovely to wear. Warm, cosy, soft. It hasn't lost its shape and has minimal pilling after two years. Amanda, uh, Prairie Delana, washed in Ucelan, lightly blocked, not much bloom, but wasn't expecting it to since the skein had previously been washed. Uh, it softened slightly, but it was already soft to begin with. I feel that this particular yarn from these ewes could be worn next to the skin, but maybe in a lighter weight yarn as the weight is somewhat heavy. Fine petal fibre soaked in soak and lukewarm water behaved beautifully. Teensiest hint of bloom, but no loss of stitch definition. Feels thick and warm, smooth, not too soft. Wore it under my top uh, and forgot it was there until it fell out in the sink. <laughs> uh, Sheila, small bear. Uh, soaked for 35 minutes in Ucelan. Squeezed and blocked and worn for a day. Definitely softer 
and the creaminess of the core yarn has come to the fore. A very slight halo, but not scratchy. The hairy feeling washed out blocks easily. I think this would be okay against the skin. It has a pleasant soft smoothness now with some body. All sheepy smell gone. Liking this one. Yeah, I totally agree with you with your Romney Marsh wool there, Sheila. Uh, I really do. Uh, the second wash block and wear. Now, again, a few people not doing a second wash. And I really would prefer if we did do the second wash. The third wash block and wear is definitely optional. But part of this um, exploration, remember, is to see how it changes and how swatch does not stay the same once it's been cast off. It can change and it, it does change through the process of washing, blocking and wearing. So I really would prefer if you could do two wash blocks and wears and I will think about that maybe I'm not giving you enough time to do two tests. So I'm gonna think about that for future wool exploration. Again, the third is optional. Uh, thinking Nick Green said, um, the second wash block and wear has left her Aylesford double knit flock not a soft. Fabric has gone limp, did not keep its block well. Uh, a larger piece would have heavier drape, feels more stringy. Uh, silk sheen is no longer evident though very uh, smooth fabric uh, with no itchiness at all. Again, uh, rather like 100% silk double knit yarn. Uh, dry gardening. Here we go, dry gardening. I was waiting for your second wash block and wear. Tossed into a load of laundry, top loading machine, usual laundry detergent, 19 minute agitation hot water wash, two cold water rinses, tumble dried 1.5 hours, no heat. Stitch definition blurred, but still evident. Luster appears to have increased. Fabric surface softer to touch. Short fine fibres extending from surface now appear fuzzy and wispy. Swatch still pliable with low drape. More vigorous treatment would be required to obliterate stitch definition and create a firm solid felt. Post second full felt wash swatch. Oh, that was hard for me to say. Let me try that again. Post second full felt swatch. Nope. <laughs> Post second full felt wash swatch approximately six inches by uh, six inches the second wear test identical conditions to the first the wear test results were very similar to the first um in that i was ready to remove it at the day's end that i really do love the dry gardening goes we're tossing it in the washing machine let's see what happens <laughs> it's fantastic silver spring knit said the second wash uh, was a quick agitation in soak. Little change from the first, though the halo is slightly more noticeable. Worn it for another day, noticed it a bit more, um, and it was considerably, considerably warmer uh, outside, so that might have been the issue. And that's interesting. 
And Suf said, second wash and wear, machine washed on the wool cycle and it softened even more. No pilling, still spongy. Stitch definition and colour definition is excellent. Worn on my hip and under my bra strap during cycling in 25 degrees. Only very slight prickling after a good while. That is great. That's a really great wear test, Anne. Uh, Michelle. Um, she said she only had time for one wash, block and wear test before the deadline, but would uh, do another round and report back in the forum. That's great, Michelle. Thank you for that. Uh, Rebecca72Jones. Uh, in the machine, on the wool cycle, with a little soak and pulled into shape and size. Left to its own devices, I think my swatch would have shrunk, but it, resp it responded well to a good blocking. Softer again, with pleasant halo and drape hasn't changed. The stitch definition has stood up well to two washes. Beck P soaked in eucelan and warm water for 30 minutes, blocked to 16 centimetres square, slightly softer, she says, worn by the hip for a day and it was barely noticeable. It was slightly dishevelled by the end of the day, but a light press brought it back to life and the pattern looks slightly flatter, but I think it would come back to life if washed and blocked again. Geneva makes said no significant changes, becomes noticeably fluffier when rubbed back and forth and forms small pills if rubbed in a circular motion. Again, that's the Aragon Aran and a single ply is probably going to be more, more apt to pill, um, but really great um, way to, to um, explore your swatch there. Uh, Elephant Petronella, for the second test, I held the swatch under cold running water until it was soaked. Then I squeezed the water out. The swatch measured 18 by 22 centimetres back to its size when it was cast off and the stitches had plumped up and regained their shape. Uh, from the first wear test, I wore this swatch at my shoulder for an hour and was impressed at the softness and how quickly I forgot about it. It was a warm day and I thought I noticed the loss of warmth when I removed the swatch. It didn't make me feel overheated while wearing it. Now that's, again, that's the Aylesford flock and that's the one that I found when I put my skin at first was initially cool. That's interesting. Isa, so the yarn has been uh, washed after spinning and it plumped up. Um, which hid any unevenness in the ply. It was washed again after knitting and she says, I really can't remember if I washed it again, but it's been in high rotation during the winter months. It still looks lovely. I'm guessing it's pretty resistant to wear. See, we'd say that uh, little or no change in the swatch. Uh, once more, it contracted after soaking and had to be coaxed back into shape, particularly vertically, I found, but my row gauge is usually off. Um, it held the block with no pilling, felting or other signs of rough treatment. Fine fettle fibres gave it a really rough hand wash in hand hot water and then left it to soak. It forgave me and looked no worse for the experience once dried. No felting or shrinkage, still great definition. And Small Bear said, soaked for 20 minutes in Eucelan. Uh, in the washing machine for a rinse, and a rinse and spin cycle only. As previously, it has a little more bloom, but not much. Handle, much the same. Blocks to 9 inches, but shrinks back to 8.5 after two days. Dries really quickly. I didn't notice this before, and maybe down to the improved weather. Uh, she said, but maybe it sheds water a bit. It does have a little denseness. I haven't noticed any sign of lanolin left in the rinse water. Lovely creamy handle. Still a little toothiness and some character. And that's the Romney Marsh wool that she was using. 
Um, so I asked finally for, for thoughts on use and um, in any other thoughts after doing this exploration and thinking that green said that her swatch the Aylesford swatch did not exude warmth so good for spring or cool summer garments again I felt that cool against my skin so that's interesting um, she said for example a lacy sleeveless top or an airy cardigan uh, or a lacy shawl on big needles would look great she said this was a pleasure to knit an exceptional shine reflects the light much more than woolly wool does um, therefore the stitch definition is high dry gardening said in my opinion this yarn appears versatile strong suitable for lace as a second layer or a hard wearing dressy outer garment i believe intricate stitch patterns would tolerate well because of the strong yarn and fiber and also, the low to moderate but quite attractive luster finish would give work for outerwear garments a special and interesting look. She says, as I worked with it, um, this yarn um, came to her as being a good yarn for a, a, a warp on a rigid head loom. And she thought it was so, uh, strong enough to try and she would certainly use it again. That's a great idea to use in weaving. Silver Spring Knit, Nora, she said, I only had a small ball of this but really enjoyed it. Based on my experience wearing it the second time, it would appear quite warm. I'm seeing it as an outerwear jumper or a cardigan or maybe an owl's jumper remake. Um, I would also make a nice hat. On another note, Nora said, the wool was priced at $30 for 130 yards, which seemed like a lot. Uh, and she said, but for my size, an owl's would be $150, which is not cheap but not outrageous either. It's really good to make a note of these things as well. Thank you, Nora. Suf said this would be suitable for jumpers, mitts and many things, very warm and soft. Perhaps not to be worn directly against the skin, but definitely as a next layer. Softer than the Ryland, which was the yarn that she had previously tested. Lovely stitch definition and would be good for cables and collar work. And she said, I can't wait to cast on for my Boreal. Um, I'd like to try other types of Romney. Um, next time I'm close to the source. Uh, Michelle said um, of her New Zealand fine fibre farm yarn, I had read online that New Zealand produces a lot of Romney wool for the carpet industry, so the skein I have seems quite unexpected. According to Wikipedia, natural coloured Romneys are eyed with suspicion from the white Romney breeders in New Zealand. This is interesting. Also, the micron count is usually in the 31 plus microns range so I might have expected a quite hardy robust yarn but the skein I have is on par with merino for softness I'm very interested to compare it with other Romney's experiences well this is really really interesting and the thing about Romney is it is an unusual yarn it's called long wool again it doesn't look like what we expect a long wool sheep to look at like they are a hardy breed um, but they can produce a yarn that is really, really, really quite fine indeed. And remember, 31 isn't too coarse on the micron count. So yarns that are over 30 microns um, are, are fibres that are a slightly wider diameter. So 30 microns and under, those um, fibres are going to bend against your skin and you shouldn't feel shouldn't feel so much of a prickle um, but over 30 microns and above you're going to start to feel that more so 31 isn't perhaps too harsh 
Um, and also, let's remember that lots of, of um, fine wools do end up in carpets. I think we think of carpets as quite a rough, or, you know, a rough thing, but um, quite fine wool can go into carpets. But I hope that this has been interesting to show um, what the different um, Romney wools have been like for, for explorers. And Michelle goes on to say, why did I only order one skein? Um, <laughs> she said, this wasn't available in the online shop of Fine Fibre Farm. She just chanced her luck by emailing and have now contacted them again to see if she can get more. So cross your fingers. <laughs> uh, Rebecca 72 Jones said, I think this yarn would do well for an insulating cabled cardigan or hat, although I didn't notice it next to my skin. So I think I could wear it as an outer garment that I could take off easily because it is so insulating. Um, it would do well for household items too. Uh, and also another Romney Marsh Wool's double knit Becky P said that she thinks it would be great for hats and gloves. Geneva makes uh, with Aragon yarns. She said she would avoid garments where a lot of abrasion is expected um, with this particular yarn. She says hats seem a good idea. I'm not sure whether my comments about abrasion should be generalised to the breed because I think it's related to the single spun structure of this yarn. And I think I think your your um, exploration and the exploration of others has gone to show that it's definitely not just about the breed fleece in particular, but how it's spun and how it's been treated. Um, she goes on to say dyed colours are very vibrant, so a pattern that shows them off would be ideal. I suspect it would look good in loose, large gauge lace patterns. Elfin Petronella was very impressed with the resilience and softness of the Aylesford flock yarn. It strikes me as an excellent choice for sweaters and cardigans and a wonderful alternative to the ubiquitous merino. That said, I struggled to find much in the way of dyed Romney when I looked online. I love the colour and have not having the time or space to dye my own yarn, I feel I probably wouldn't use this fabulous wool as much as it deserves to be used. Well, that's interesting. So... In the dyers, seek out some worsted spun Romney because Elfin Petronella and the rest of us would like to see some of that dyed up. Thank you. <laughs> I Ribeiro, she said, I would definitely spin and knit with this yarn again. I'm in love with Romney. It was super easy to draft a woolen from the commercially prepared roving. The yarn blocked wonderfully, uh, masking all of my mistakes mistakes from being a novice wool spinner and it behaved beautifully through the wear. The sweater was knit bottom up on uh, with a three needle bind off shoulders and short row top down set in sleeves. If the shape of the sweater changed with wear it's changed only minimally. Amanda Prada Delana said I love Romney obviously. Uh, it's a universal wool. It's somewhat popular in the US, but not enough. I feel like this should be a staple in everyone's knitting basket. The long wool characteristics give luster and smoothness, yet with a great crimp that it still retains, giving it bounce and squish. It's suitable for every garment and accessory. Seaweed Sarah said of the Blackback Rare Breed Double Knit, it behaved really well in a range of stitches, so I think it would make good sturdy outerwear. I tried swatching doubled for a Carbeth 
cardigan, but it's too fat a DK for that. I imagine using it for a cozy cardigan or a big slouchy pullover. And she said one of the reasons why I wanted to participate in this wool exploration was to develop a vocabulary for describing the feel of different breeds. But I have run out of words for this one. It is pleasant, not silky smooth like a long wool and not particularly rough. And I am struggling to find any distinctive features about it apart from the fact that it is slightly velvet or corduroy feel to it. I did not dislike it, but I'm not bowled over by it either. Thank you for that, Sarah. That's great. And again, you know, it's okay not to find the right words. What are the right words? You know, when we think of words that have, have been associated with wool up until this point, you get soft, not soft, itchy, rustic, you know, it's... But that's really interesting that it feels slightly velvet or it feels like corduroy. These are the things that we need to be likening them to, likening wool to, to give people an idea because soft is not enough. Rough is not enough. Itchy is definitely not good enough to describe yarn. It's Again, it's, that's a very personal feeling to each person. So how are we going to describe what wool feels like? If it feels like velvet, it feels like velvet. Tell us that. Don't worry about liking it to something else these are the ways in which we will learn and it adds to our understanding it really really does and I'm really always grateful for how descriptive you guys are and I and I do understand that some of you feel like you struggle to come up with the right terms there are no right or wrong terms guys you're doing a cracking job you really are um, Fine Fidal Fibre said this is an amazing yarn and I really love it and I will be definitely coming back for more of this it would make a great cardigan maybe a shoreline cardigan from Swoon I don't know what that is, but I'm going to look it up. And she said it would be a good hat, uh, yarn, or maybe even a textured jumper, durable and warm. And Small Bear uh, said, I'm liking this very much. It would, uh, it's very like some of the Scandi yarns, but soft, but with body, bounce, toothiness, density. Uh, it would give Prickalanka a run for its money. Great for jerseys, something like from uh, something by Jennifer Steinglass, maybe. Also hats, gloves, maybe socks, all sorts of blankets and throws. And she goes on to say, I'd hand dye this for resale if I could get a regular supply. So there we go, Sheila Dye Ninja. <laughs> she would dye it. So we need to see if we can find this in a in a, a, a in basis for dyers, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much to all of our wool explorers this month and to everyone who took part in the chat in the Ravelry groups and to everyone who said that they um, didn't quite get in time for the deadline this month I did sort of extend the deadline because as I said I hurt my back and sitting at desk really hurts so I didn't want to do the, the collating for this episode I kind of put it off and put it off so but I am noticing that some people are struggling to get the notes up by the deadline, even though it's more than a month. But maybe I'm just thinking, maybe that's just not enough time to knit swatch and really give it those two wash block and wears and the attention it needs. So I am gonna think about this for next time. I should say while we're here that the next breed that we're doing is the Dorset breeds. And I think the cast off for the Dorset breeds is the 13th of July. And then we have uh, Southdown, uh, which is after that and the cast off uh, date and the date to get your it's not really a cast off date but it's the date to get your reviews into the google form 
uh, for that is also the 13th, but it's the 13th of August. And then we're going to have a little break. There will be no rule exploration during September because there will be no podcast during September. So we will be coming back in October, November and looking at Manx. And then our final breed for 2018 is going to be Shetland. So again, once again, the dates you need the cast off for the South Down is the 13th of August. And then we're not having another rule exploration until a little bit later when we will be looking at Manx and Shetland um, later in 2018. And I will come up with the details for that a little bit later. That's mostly just because... Um, of taking time off the podcast. Also, um, I unexpected, unexpectedly, my husband and I will be moving house soon. Um, so there may be a little bit of a jog in um, podcast uh, dates and things like that. So there may be extensions to um, the South Down if, if uh, um, moving coincides with that. But those are your... Uh, rule exploration uh, upcoming details and again thanks to everyone who joined in the conversation everyone who explored uh, via the google forum and everyone who explored at home in their own time uh, thank you so very much that is all for this episode of the podcast so don't forget that Nature Shades Long casts on on the 13th of July and um, you'll have that to keep you occupied until we meet again there's lots happening in July, probably moving house in amongst it all. <clears throat> but um, I should say that I, you know, one of the things that's happening next month is that I'm going to have the opportunity to meet Louise Spong from South Down Yarns. And I'm extremely excited about that because I have corresponded with Louise for quite some time and never actually met her. And really, really looking forward to meeting a really kindred so you've got all that to look forward to and Dorset, 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 uh, Paul Dorset, Dorset Horn, Portland, Dorset Down, my goodness me, we're going to have a lot of Dorsets to look at next, next month as well. Uh, until next time, take very good care, look after yourselves, enjoy the summer if it is indeed summery where you are. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Knit British Podcast. To find out more, visit www.knitbritish.net. You can email me louise at knitbritish.net. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at knit underscore British. And I'm on Ravelry as Lyra. Take care of that throat. You're a big singing star now.
the glory. You gotta take a little heartache, so go with it. I'm a thief. I got no glory. I got no fame. I got no big mansions. I got no money. What I've got. What have I got? I don't know. What have you got? I gotta get out of here.